without the understanding and the belief that God means what he says and really has the right as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords to choose a specific piece of land and give it to a specific people, it becomes super muddy and difficult as we see playing out every day. Welcome to another episode of A Jew and a Gentile Discuss. I'm your host, Carly Berna. And I'm Ezra Benjamin. We are a Jewish believer and a Gentile believer who both believe in Jesus, believe that God is doing something unique among the Jewish people around the world, and we're really here to bring you information and inform you on matters affecting you in the Christian world today. So today we're going to talk about Israel, which is kind of a loaded topic. There's a, there's a lot there. We could be talking about Israel, the land, the people, just so much there. So we're going to kind of give you a highlight. This is a one part of a three-part series, and we'll dig into more of the information on the land and the people in upcoming episodes. So we'll just kind of start with that, give you an overview, and let's discuss. Yeah. Now, Carly, what did you, before we even jump in, you're serving at Jewish Voice Ministries for a number of years now, but you weren't always connected with the Messianic Jewish community or Jewish missions. Before getting into all of this, what was your perception of Israel? Like when you heard that word or that term, what did that mean to you? First impressions. Yeah. I mean, I had a really naive understanding of Israel. To me, it just was this small little country in the Middle East and really not something that I needed to know about. Uh, There was a lot of conflict around it. And it just seemed overwhelming, like, okay, it's just kind of over there and just not really on my radar. It really wasn't an issue that I felt that I needed to be, you know, informed about. So I think one of my questions back to you is why should it be on my radar as a as a Christian? Yeah, you know, it, it's a good question. It's a fair question. Why should any particular strip of land or why should any particular group of people on the earth be on our radar as believers, Jewish or Gentile? more than any other group. And the answer really is the scriptures are filled with references to the land of Israel and the people of Israel. I think, you know, to me, I try to read the scriptures literally. I know many of our listeners probably try to do the same, unless there's an explicit reason why we should understand something kind of symbolically or figuratively, we should be reading literally. That's just, that's how I approach the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament alike. And a number of times, you know, Genesis 13, 15, Genesis 17, 8, God says to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, he continues to make this covenant in each generation. He says, I'm giving you this land, specifically the land of Canaan or the land of Israel. I'm giving you this land to you and your descendants forever. And the word forever to me, when God says forever, he means forever. You know, he doesn't, I might have mild ADD, which is part of why I drink so much coffee. And we'll talk more about that later. But, uh, you know, Carly, God doesn't have ADD. It's not like he says, I'm doing something forever. Oh, wait, I got distracted. I'm going to go do this other thing. Or I'm doing something forever, but I didn't really mean it because now I only meant for a period of time. Forever is forever. So the idea of the land of Israel and the people of Israel, but specifically here, the land of Israel as being something something that God has chosen and uh, created a specific destiny for a specific people to inhabit for his purposes is a forever idea. And if it's something that's forever, it goes on into our generation and it's going to go on. Uh, We don't know how many years before Jesus comes back, but until that time and even after that time, Israel matters. So uh, it should be on our radar because forever is forever. 
So obviously you're a Jewish believer, so sure. I understand why Israel would be important to you as a forever for a Jewish believer. But what about right. for a Christian? Is Israel a forever for me as a Christian? Right. And I think, you know, we have to zoom out a little bit and say, what does it mean to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus, right? Of course, it's to love him. And I'm borrowing here from God's commandment to Israel, but love him with all of our heart and our soul and our mind and our strength. We know that. Uh, and to love our neighbor as ourselves, but also I think to care about the things that God cares about, right? Like for me, that's a big part of deepening my relationship with him. Jewish or not Jewish, to deepen our relationship with the Lord as a disciple is to care about the things that he cares about. And for reasons we're going to discuss in the next three episodes, God has said, I care about this strip of land the size of New Jersey tucked in against the Mediterranean Sea and 80 million Arab peoples in the Middle East. I care about this strip of land. I'm going to continue caring about it. I have a unique purpose and destiny for the land. So I think my the, you know, the, the most basic answer really boils down to uh, if we care about the things God cares about, we'll care about Israel, not as an exclusive thing but as something. So would you put that caring about Israel in the category of other things that God tells us to care about, like caring for the sick, taking care of widows and orphans, feeding people, et cetera? Yeah, I think it's an ongoing priority for his heart. And I think issues of justice, issues of righteousness, issues of caring for the oppressed in the world, issues of uh, having mercy on people who need mercy, issues of going to people who are hopeless and restoring hope. These are all important to his heart. So Israel and the Jewish people are important to his heart, not to the exclusion of these other things. But I think, Carly, sometimes, you know, being in Jewish ministry, I have the privilege of traveling around the world and interfacing with Christians. And unfortunately, on this issue, sometimes I experience the opposite thing. We're not even having the conversation of should Israel and the Jewish people be more important, and we're not saying that. We're saying they're important. But sometimes people have a problem with us even saying it is important. Like if you're talking about the Jewish people and how God has a unique calling, or you're talking about the land of Israel and that there's this unique purpose and destiny, somehow people are hearing that that's to the exclusion of or disparaging of all the other issues that Christians or believers should care about, or all the other countries, or all the other ethnic groups on the face of the earth. So it's not an issue of better than, it's an issue of this occupies a continual place of importance in God's heart. But of course, you know, caring for the sick, caring for the poor, doing justice, rescuing those who are trapped in human trafficking, uh, super important issues to the heart of God. And we need to care about those things too. What we're here to talk about on this podcast is why Christians should care about what the heck is happening with Israel and the Jewish people, because we believe that that has enduring significance, not just for the Jewish people, but for all people who call upon the name of the Lord. And if not now, it is now, but uh, I think the significance these things have now pales in comparison to the significance they will have as uh, the clock ticks toward what we understand to be the last days and the return of Jesus. So to some of our listeners, caring about Israel might just be something very foundational. They went to a church where that was very normal. And other of our listeners, like how I was before I started working at Jewish Voice, might be like, huh, this is something new. I'm supposed to care about Israel. So I think, you know, one of the things that we'll talk more about is to care about Israel is to really understand some of the different terminology and what's really happening there. So let's start with that. What's the difference between the land and the people? Yeah, it's a great question because when you hear Israel, you know, and so many times in the Old Testament, when God says Israel through the prophets, he's talking about the people. 
you know, fear not, O Israel, for I am with you kind of thing. He's not saying fear not, O strip of land. He's saying fear not, O people of Israel. Um, But other times he says, I've given you the land of Israel, which obviously land of Israel is a land as an inheritance forever. He's talking about, you know, the land will experience drought. Israel will experience drought. So the term is used interchangeably, but it is distinct. The land of Israel, uh, and even this, we could spend three hours. I'll try to boil it down into you know a minute and a half here. The land of Israel should be understood, in my opinion, as this plot of land that God's given to the Jewish people. Um, now, even that, you know, there's a giant asterisk there because the land of Israel in the first parts of the Old Testament is this land of Canaan that's divided into the inheritance of each of the 12 tribes of Israel. And that represented specific boundaries. I mean, it's really interesting. There's a number of chapters in what Jewish people call the Torah, which means the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis through Deuteronomy, a number of chapters detailing like from this, I mean, you've all read it and sometimes maybe our eyes glaze over and we go, oh man, I wish it wasn't this section in my Bible in the year plan because he's saying from this brook to this hilltop, to this road, to this sea, you know, and it's very, very specific. That's the land of Israel. But also Ezekiel, the prophet looked ahead to a day when the land of Israel, the borders of land that the Jewish people would inhabit as an inheritance uh, from the Lord actually extend into modern day Iraq and Iran, down into the Saudi Peninsula, into Egypt. So there's this idea of the future borders of the land of Israel being much larger than what we understand them to be today. And then the third answer to the question, I know I've used my minute and a half, but just real quickly, the land of Israel in terms of modern day, we can say political terms, are the borders of the modern state of Israel. That's another way to understand the land of Israel. That extends from the Golan Heights, which is itself a contested area right on the border of Syria and Lebanon. That was won by Israel in the 60s and 70s, down to uh, the corner of the Gaza Strip and Egypt, down to the Red Sea and the city of Elat, which is a beach city in Israel, and then bordering Jordan on the east. And uh, we'll talk more about that in the uh, second episode, The Land of Israel, which is another part of this series. But all of those are how we understand the land of Israel. Now, how do we understand the people of Israel? The people of Israel, in its broadest sense, means Jewish people wherever they are in the earth. So how do you identify Who's a Jewish person? Well, we're going to spend a whole episode, Carly, talking about who is a Jew and uh, how does somebody uh, be identified as Jewish? How do they become Jewish if they're not Jewish? All of that's uh, topics for another day. But the people of Israel means any Jewish person or Jewish community on the face of the earth. And there's uh, well over 14 million that we know of today. Okay, so going back to the land for a minute, just from someone who doesn't know a lot about Israel, one of the things I hear is the West Bank. Like, Mm -hmm. what's the issue with the West Bank, you know, the short Ezra version? Yeah. (laughs) Well, you just contradicted yourself. There's no such thing as a short Ezra version. I'll give you (laughs) the uh, as abbreviated as possible Ezra version. The West Bank is actually a very political term. We all use it. We all know it. But what the heck does that mean? What is the West Bank? It's a political term because what it's saying is the land on the western banks of the Jordan River. It's not saying land that's now controlled militarily and infrastructurally supported by the state of Israel, which the West Bank is. West Bank, in Hebrew, you don't say West Bank. You actually say it's kind of a, there's a lot of phlegm in the word. It's shtachim. And a shatach in Hebrew is literally a territory, an area. It just means generically an area. So 
the word in Hebrew that Israelis would use when referring to the West Bank is the Shtachim, the territories or the areas of land that are uh, have been won in military victory uh, by Israel during the Six Day War in 1967. We're going to talk more about that uh, elsewhere in this series, and then maintained and infrastructurally supported and defended by the Israeli Defense Force since that time. So it's really referring to this kind of butterfly-shaped section of land that encircles Jerusalem on the north and on the south, running from the Negev Desert in the south of Israel up uh, almost to the Sea of Galilee, of land that is under Israeli military supervision and defense and supported infrastructurally by the state of Israel, but that wasn't, for several reasons we'll discuss, made a part of what we can call the main land of Israel. Uh, it's home to uh, millions of Arab people of the territories, the West Bank, that section of Israel, and then uh, also actually home to uh, tens of thousands of Jewish people who uh, live there and are protected by uh, the state of Israel as well. So West Bank, though, implies that this is just sort of an extension of the original country of Jordan beyond the Jordan River. So you can see there uh, the politics involved. Speaking of the politics involved, and even if you don't know a lot about Israel, you know that there's some type of conflict. You know that these people groups have, you know, some type of issues with each other. This was one of the most surprising things that I learned about Israel after working at Jewish Voice. But where did the conflict start? Yeah, well, we can go back. I don't know if there's a short way to answer this question. The conflict started when you have Abraham and Lot saying, look, I'm going to go my way. You choose, Lot. Choose the land you want. You go your way and I'll go mine. And then these gentlemen begin uh, to inhabit specific parts of what's now the land of Israel and the surrounding region in Jordan. Um, then after that, you have Isaac and you have Ishmael. Ishmael's the father of the Arab people who himself, I want to point out here, has a destiny in God. Like he's not forgotten by God. He's not forsaken by God. He has a destiny, destiny that his mother gets when she's hopeless in the wilderness. Um, but Ishmael goes his way to the east and Isaac uh, hears from God, I've given you this land, the land of Canaan as an inheritance. And then after that, you have Jacob and you have Esau, same mother. But God says, I'm giving Jacob this land as an inheritance forever. Again, he repeats the promise to Jacob, not to Esau. So Esau ends up inhabiting areas of what's now Jordan and Syria and Jacob remains in the land of Canaan. But of course, there's family strife. So the Middle East conflict and the conflict over the land, really, Carly, at its, the, the basic building blocks, what it all boils down to is an ongoing family feud that still plays itself out between Jewish people, a few million people, and 80 plus million Arab people, originally brothers and cousins, living in the Middle East. It's a modern day Israeli reality show, basically. It is. It is. Family feud on steroids. There it is. Yeah. So just curious, you know, that's your biblical perspective of it. If you were to ask a Jewish person where the conflict started, would they also state that it goes back to Abraham? If they believe the Bible, and this is actually, you know, interestingly, within the Jewish community, there's still a lot of disagreement, depending on people's theology or lack of theology, believe it or not. A couple million Jewish people in the world, maybe more, actually probably wouldn't even say that they believe God exists. Now, they're Jewish. They'll die for being Jewish out of that strong tradition and uh, ethnic identity, but they may not say God even exists. And if you don't believe God exists then you don't believe that God has chosen a specific people in a specific land and put them together forever. And so even within the Jewish community, there's a lot of dispute about that. 
whether or not a Jewish person believes God exists, their familiarity may not be as much with the biblical narrative as it would be with modern Jewish history. So after the Holocaust, out of the ashes of the Holocaust, the UN votes in 1947 for the partition of this Jewish homeland, originally British Palestine, in the Middle East. And so the modern state of Israel is founded and it's Independence Day. Its inauguration is in 1948 with David Ben-Gurion. Google that if you want the details. We don't have time to go into all of that. But Uh, Since then, 70-something years ago, the modern state of Israel has existed, and the modern conflict really relates to neighboring countries' claims on what's known as the Palestinian people, Arab peoples living in British Palestine, who ended up sort of in no man's land during the conflict between the new state of Israel decades ago and the Arab lands who said, we can't allow a state of Israel to exist. And so the modern conflict relates to this idea of a Jewish homeland. And Israel is in its charter documents. Those who have heard Benjamin Netanyahu speak to the UN or uh, be interviewed or even speak to US presidents says the Jewish state. Uh, That's very intentional language. Uh, the conflict between this idea of a Jewish homeland and Arab countries who say, wait, 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 our people lived there under our control for centuries. What are you saying, you know, from whence cometh this idea that the land is originally yours and somehow now comes back into your hands? So I will acknowledge that without the biblical narrative, and this is important, I think, for our audience to understand, without the understanding and the belief that God means what he says and really has the right as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords to choose a specific piece of land and give it to a specific people, it becomes super muddy and difficult as we see playing out every day on the media. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's why it's probably so confusing for the rest of us. Yeah. Um, Okay. So let's move to the people groups. You mentioned, you know, there's a lot of different people in the conflict and in Israel. Who's there and what are their perspectives? There's officially 14.6 million Jewish people on the face of the earth today, of whom about half live in Israel. And when I say officially, how do you how do you identify a Jewish person? The 14.6 million are people who are considered rabbinically Jewish, which without going into more detail here means they have a Jewish mother. We'll explain that more. Stay tuned to another podcast. 14.6 million of whom about half live Uh, in the state of Israel and half live outside Israel. But what's interesting is the state of Israel allows somebody to move back to make Aliyah, which literally means to go up in Hebrew, to go up to the land of Israel, like you go up to Jerusalem in the Psalms, to immigrate to the land of Israel. um, You need to have a Jewish parent or a Jewish grandparent. Uh, you don't have to have a Jewish mother. If you consider the number of people in the world who have a Jewish grandparent or a Jewish parent, uh, one or more, Uh, that increases the worldwide Jewish population to over 23 million. So uh, 14.6 to 23 million, which is very significant. Of those 23 million, over half live in the United States of America, believe it or not. Half of the people on earth who are eligible to live in the land of Israel, to uh, immigrate there and become citizens, live in the USA. Uh, that being said, now zooming in to the nation of Israel, the modern state of Israel, there are 9 million Israeli citizens, about three quarters of whom are Jewish. So 75% are Jewish, and then just under 25% are either uh, Arab or otherwise. So you have Bedouin people, you have Druze people. Uh, we'll talk more about that in the future. 
Um, but you have people who don't identify as Arab, but who also are not historically Jewish living in the land of Israel. So 9 million Israeli citizens, uh, three quarters of whom are Jewish in the Jewish state. But it gets more complicated because, as we just discussed, you have this uh, interesting strip of land called the West Bank or the territories. So in addition to the 9 million Israeli citizens, you have 2.7 million people living in the West Bank or the territories who identify as Palestinian, not Jewish and residents of the West Bank. And then in addition to that, you have another 400,000 Jewish people, just under 400,000, about 393,000, also living in the West Bank, not uh, recognized as the main part of Israel, but they're very much uh, Jewish people, Jewish settlers who consider themselves to be landing, living in the land of Israel. So uh, who are the people occupying the land? Nine million Israeli citizens, three quarters of whom are Jewish, and then 2.7 million Palestinians and another 400,000 Jewish settlers in the West Bank. You can see how this starts to get complicated. Millions of people all vying for the same piece of land. Again, the entirety of which is about the size of New Jersey. Yeah, that's a lot of people in a really small amount of space. Right. Okay, so that's a good summary of the lands and the people. And like we said, we're going to unpack each of these elements in future episodes. Um, yeah. But before we do that, uh, stay tuned because we're going to talk about, as a believer, do I need to really understand what's happening in the Middle East or can I just stand with Israel without being informed? But before we talk about that, uh, we want to give you an opportunity to partner with us. And as Ezra has already mentioned once in this podcast, he loves coffee. Um, and that is how you can partner with us. Uh, if you love coffee, you want to support Israel and the Jewish people, we have this great opportunity for you. Ethiopia is one of the countries we go to when we share the gospel, and we've got some coffee from Ethiopia where we minister. It's premier Ethiopian coffee roast, um, and you can get it if you become a monthly supporter of this podcast. Um, you can receive one of these blends, um, that will you know, be shipped to you, try it, and you can feel like you're supporting Israel and the Jewish people while you're enjoying your coffee, at the same time knowing that we are sharing the gospel with them, giving them medical care, helping them physically and spiritually. So we'd love for you to partner with us. Uh, you can do that at a Jew and a Gentile org if you're interested. Yeah, we love talking about these issues, Carly, while I'm enjoying my coffee. So Exactly. Uh, yeah. Join the fight. Join the coffee club. Like I said right before that, um, you know, as a Christian, can I just stand with Israel? Do I really need to understand everything that's going on? Like, how does that work? Yeah, it's a great question. And you just name, you just said a phrase that I think we uh, it deserves unpacking. Let me say that. Like a number of us, right, have been driving in the cities where we live and uh, you get behind somebody who may be going under the speed limit. Uh, just a quick demographic possibility here. And they have a bumper sticker that says, I stand with Israel, right? And maybe that's uh, next to a bunch of other bumper stickers that you may or may not agree with. I'm not going to go into that any further. But anyway, this idea, Carly, I stand with Israel or standing with Israel. Uh, let's unpack it. First of all, what did that mean to you? Uh, before getting uh, more directly involved in Jewish ministry. The idea of when you heard stand with Israel, what did you feel like was your obligation? Yeah, it, it almost felt like it's just a thing you do as a Christian. Maybe that comes kind of from my Catholic upbringing. There's things you do as being culturally Christian in a way. 
Um, so I didn't, I didn't really understand one that the Jewish people were God's chosen people. Um, I didn't really understand how the old Testament and the new Testament related with the Jewish people. Um, so it just felt like, okay, I just, I stand with Israel because that's just like the Christian thing to do standing with Israel. And I didn't really even know what that meant. Like what kind of action am I supposed to take? I guess if someone, you know, posted something that said, I stand with Israel, my action was, oh, I'll repost that too. Right. But that was, you know, pretty much it. Right. Because it's what you're supposed to do. It's, right. it's the position you're supposed to take. And I think, Carly, a big part of our podcast is getting beneath the surface of that. Like, I mean, any of us can say we support something because we feel like we're supposed to, right? Or if I'm going to vote such and such way, and that means I need to support Israel. And if I'm going to vote another way, that means I fundamentally have to be against the idea of a Jewish state. And we want to kind of blow that up. I'm sorry to say that's part of, uh, you know, we could say if we have an agenda of this podcast, it's getting beyond the politics. It's getting beyond the taglines. It's getting beyond the bumper stickers and saying, really, why, regardless of your politics, regardless of your denomination, regardless of whether you're a Jewish believer or a Gentile believer in Jesus, why is it important to stand with Israel? And first of all, what does that mean? I think, you know, it means standing with God's promises for Israel and believing his promises. And we talk a lot about that, uh, but agreeing with God. Uh, in essence, he's saying, he's, God's saying, I've chosen to work in this specific way in the world. Do you agree with me or don't you? I mean, and that sounds kind of stark, right? And in our American kind of, I want my freedom, I want my own decision-making power, something about that rubs me the wrong way. But at the end of the day, he's God and he said, these are the way things are. This is how I'm operating. Do you agree or don't you? So standing with Israel, I feel like means standing with, um, standing with what God said about Israel and the Jewish people and how that relates to us as believers and how that relates to the nations. Also standing with the Jewish people means being a blessing to them. And I don't mean just writing a check and checking a box and saying, there, I blessed Israel. I think that's, it's a big mistake um, that, that we can make as believers. It's a big mistake that the Christian community can make is to say, bless Israel means I give money to anybody who says they're blessing Israel. And then I walk away and I did my good deed for the day. That's a mistake. Uh, blessing Israel with finances in times of trouble, getting involved in Jewish ministry. That's awesome. We encourage our listeners to get involved with, with Jewish ministry, to get involved in helping hurting Jewish people, not just in the state of Israel, but around the world, wherever Jewish people live. But at the end of the day, it's not about the check. It's about the heart. You know, like I think the idea with tithing is God saying, I don't want your money. I want your heart. And your money's an expression of your heart. To me, standing with Israel through uh, sowing finances into blessing Israel and Jewish people. It's the same idea. God can do it with or without the checks we write. But he's saying, I want your heart on this matter. And where your treasure is, there your heart's going to be. So standing with Israel also means sowing into it, but sowing into it out of a place of a heart burden, not just an obligation. And then thirdly, and this is something, you know, um, one of our close partner ministries, Jewish Voice, and something we talk about here on this podcast so much, uh, you can't bless Israel. And I'm about to say something super politically incorrect. So cover one ear if you're listening at home. You can't bless Israel without sharing the hope of Israel, which we know is the Messiah, is Jesus, is Yeshua, which means salvation. His Hebrew name is Yeshua. It means salvation. Blessing Israel doesn't just mean giving money and walking away and letting people remain hopeless with more resources. Blessing Israel means praying that the blinders that Paul talks about over the eyes of Jewish people to 
the greatest hope that God's ever offered us, the promise of salvation and forgiveness and redemption and restoration through our Messiah, Jesus. It means praying that blinders would come off and in any opportunity we have through relationship with sensitivity, of course, taking those opportunities to share uh, Yeshua, to share Jesus with Jewish friends, family members, uh, those we have relationship with. So that uh, somewhat briefly is what we mean by standing with Israel And I hope that's helpful for those listening at home. It's not about a bumper sticker. It's not even about writing a check. It's not about a political statement. It's deeper than that. So Carly, in that light, as you've been involved in Jewish ministry and have a leadership position in it, uh, of course, you're you're more and more deeply not only standing with Israel in the ways we define, but encouraging others to do that. But Real honestly, for a minute, what's a roadblock you've faced in trying to do that? Like what, what's a, a hang up, your own kind of, this doesn't match what I thought I believed or resistance you've experienced. Tell us about that a bit. Yeah, I think the biggest roadblock was just being educated. It was, there just was so much information, so much news. Um, even if you just, you know, Google Jewish people or Christianity or Messianic Judaism, there's just a lot of information out there. And it's like, where do I go? And I just felt like it was overwhelming. So I might as well just shut it off and not even try to do it. So um, I guess my question for you is, how would you recommend to one of our listeners who's a Christian to stay informed about Israel? Like I said, there's so much news out there. Depends which side you listen to, you know, what they're saying, you know, what's a good place to get information to really know what's going on? Right. I think listening to both sides of the news here in the States is helpful, especially on issues on on a lot of issues, but especially as it relates to Israel, because somewhere in the middle is usually the truth. I'm sorry to say that's my opinion. That does not reflect the views or beliefs of this podcast. I'll give that disclaimer, but uh, you know, look, I'm looking, I'm looking at Fox. I'm looking at CNN. I'm looking at BBC who's talking about Middle East events without them being directly tied to Israel or tied to the United States, excuse me. And believe it or not, like I'll, I'll get on aljazeera.com once in a while, which is very much an Arab world funded and owned news agency with their own agendas. But actually I've found them at times to really give a balanced perspective on the Israel-Palestinian conflict and what's the issue with Jews and Arabs in that land. Um, Not always. They say things I don't agree with, but you know what? All the news stations I just mentioned say things I do and don't agree with. So I think it's helpful to get different perspectives. Even if you disagree, Carly, I think it's important for us as believers not to just kind of sit in the echo chamber of all of us agreeing with each other, but to listen to the other side. Like I, I am deeply challenged when I sit with Arab Christians, when I'm visiting Israel, which is often, I hope it's going to continue to be often, um, and listening to their perspective. These are people saying, look, I love the Lord, but I have cousins, I have friends, or I, I myself live in a land that I feel like is plagued with injustice because I'm behind walls and hearing their perspective. We may not always agree, but I think it's important to hear other people's perspectives, not just listen to people who are going to say what we already uh, think we know. Um, one of my favorite quotes is the problem with human nature is we learn enough to think we're right, but we don't learn enough to know that we're wrong. And so I think we have to be willing to have our own perspectives, uh, shaped by others and even challenged. And maybe we're wrong. Maybe we need to rethink, uh, these issues. Secondly, talk to Jewish believers who, you know, they're going to have some interesting perspectives. A number of them have friends or family in Israel who are going to tell you things that are going on beyond the headlines. So if you know Messianic Jews or Jewish believers in Jesus, talk to them, hear their story, get their perspective. If you know Israelis, either Jewish or Arab, talk to them and get their perspective. And I think, you know, the last thing I want to say here is 
we talked about what does standing with Israel mean. Standing with Israel does not mean blindly agreeing with everything that the modern state of Israel does. Israel is not a theocracy. The king of kings, Jesus, is not ruling on the throne in Jerusalem yet. We absolutely, you know, all of us, Jew and Gentile alike, we have a hope and an expectation that one day, maybe very soon, he will be. But right now, the state of Israel is a democracy, one of the only democracies in the Middle East, uh, to be specific, that is run by fallible people who all need the Lord, like all of our countries are run. And they're going to make decisions which are unbiblical and which are unjust at times. And we need to challenge those. I think one of the most valuable things the Christian community can do uh, in terms of standing with Israel is if Israel's doing something that seems to fly in the face of what we're what's expected of of Israel or of any believer biblically like challenge that write a letter to the to, to a Knesset member when you're there you know uh, lift up your voice and say look I love Israel I'll stand with the Jewish people but I can't stand for this law I can't stand for this policy I can't stand for that this practice uh, lift up our voice in that way the Christian community has more of an influence in the state of Israel than what we realize and we need to use that for informed honest dialogue not just for blind support yeah, that's get a balanced approach really is is the the way to go. Yeah, Carly, absolutely. A balanced perspective is the name of the game. So I've done a lot of talking. What's something you've done in the last few years to stay informed as you've become more deeply uh, engrossed in Jewish ministry and Israel and everything going on there? Yeah, I think the main thing I did is is I just started reading and learning more. It's There really isn't a short solution. Like It's easy to just blindly stand with Israel. It's harder to learn more about it and stand um, you know, with more knowledge, but that's really what we have to do. For me, it was a little more organic. I started working you know, in Jewish ministry, so by the nature of my job, I had to read and watch our show and all of those things, so I understood a lot about the content. Uh, but I also saw that there's a lot out there. It can be confusing. You have to find a good biblically based source. Um, so obviously the Bible is a, is a main source of that. And there's a lot in the old Testament, in the new Testament about Israel and the Jewish people that most people might not really understand because they're kind of just reading about Jesus and not so much about the whole narrative. And if you really look at it, it's like Israel is from the beginning throughout the whole story, which could be a whole podcast in itself. Absolutely. Um, but not to self-promote ourselves here, but, you know, we really started this podcast to help inform Christians and be a source to be able to take everything that's going on and say, you know, here's from a biblical worldview. Here's what's happening. Here's what God is doing with Israel and the Jewish people. So hopefully um, this can fit, kind of fill that gap so it doesn't feel like you're having to listen to every news source and, you know, be an aggregator of all content everywhere. Um, I know that would have been very helpful for me, but really reading, learning for yourself, coming to conclusions um, and seeking the Lord. And he's, he, will, he will reveal about Israel and the Jewish people to you if you're really seeking and saying, how can I stand and understand why it's important to stand with Israel? Yeah, that's absolutely right. Don't outsource your discernment. Don't outsource your discernment, especially on this issue. So that's kind of the overview of Israel, the land, the people, and everything in between. So thanks for listening to this episode. Uh, stay tuned. We have a question sent in by a listener. Uh, but before we do that, I just want to remind you, you can get involved with us by partnering with us on a monthly basis and receiving coffee from Ethiopia, which is one of the countries we go to and minister to the Jewish people there. So you can do that at org. So the question that we got... 
says, what's something you've always wanted to ask a Jewish person but never felt comfortable asking? Uh, and I assume that question is for me because you've probably asked Jewish people whatever you've wanted to ask them. Um, and they've said to me whatever they wanted to say. Correct. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So I'll ask you this question, but I would say, you know, when I, one of the first Jewish people I ever met was a friend of mine who at the time I didn't really understand the di even the differences between Judaism and Christianity. Um, and so I would start talking to her about Jesus and she was just so offended. And I honestly was like, I don't, why are we blowing up over this? So my question is why are Jewish people just so offended by the, dis of the name of Jesus or the discussion about him? Yeah, Carly, that could be a 16-part uh, podcast series in and of itself. I'll try to answer real briefly. Jewish people, especially in my generation, um, you know, but in, in my parents' generation as well, and the grandparents have been taught, if you will, to, it sounds like a weird thing to say, but taught to be offended at the mention of Jesus. Why? Uh, historically, unfortunately, there's a real lack of understanding that Jesus was and is a Jewish man. Uh, the Jewish community, by and large, understands Jesus as the father of the Christian faith. Maybe he was Jewish at one time, but somehow he converted to this new religion of Christianity. And uh, in doing so, not only got the whole world to follow him, but also encouraged the whole world. This is the understanding, just believe it or not. Encouraged the whole Christian world to actually look down on, persecute, and in some cases, in some cases, seek the annihilation in the name of Christ and Christianity of the Jewish people. So there's this historical baggage. There's also a contextual baggage because, unfortunately, the, the um, Orthodox Jewish community and the more religious Jewish communities have done an excellent job in uh, reinforcing generation after generation that Jesus is not for Jewish people. And if you ask why, the answer is we're Jewish. And then if you say, okay, but what about Jesus? The answer is we're Jewish. And what does it mean to be Jewish? And then the answer is Jews don't believe in Jesus. And you can see it's a cyclical, you, it's hard to break out of that without some care and really without the strength of relationship. It's almost impossible to break out of that cyclical conversation. Um, but this idea that Jesus is not for the Jewish people, in fact, he's against us and the Jewish people certainly aren't for Jesus. And so that's another part of what's going on. Um, and the idea, frankly, of, of a fear of engaging with this, you know, I heard somebody ask an elderly Jewish woman once, if you knew something was true, if you discovered it was true, but that truth was going to cause you to change everything you know about your life, would you want to believe it? And she thought for a minute and she said, no. And, you know, we can look down on that, you know, elderly Jewish woman in this story, but for all of us, right? If this is true, if the claims of Jesus and if the resurrection of Jesus from the dead is really true, then for us as a Jewish person, it causes us to rethink, reevaluate everything we've understood about our identity and our faith, which is a traumatic thing. Even if you have that kind of spark of interest or curiosity, it's a traumatic thing. And the easier answer is just to say, he's not for me. If that's true, but it's going to cause me to reevaluate everything and shift my life priorities, I don't want to know. Uh, ignorance is bliss kind of thing. So those are a couple reasons, and we could unpack more. Maybe we should do a podcast on Jewish objections to Jesus. Uh, one of these months we'll do that. But uh, that's why, Carly, it's it's really a flashpoint um, for all those reasons, the historical baggage, the religious baggage, the implications of what Jesus claimed. Um, but that doesn't mean 
that we shouldn't still have boldness in sharing, but it's got to be done in the context of relationship and understanding and love. And part of the purpose of this podcast is to equip our Christian listeners to have those dialogues from a place of education and historical understanding and compassion rather than just a Jesus died for you and you should believe in him Jewish person. A great reason for Jewish ministry, really. Yeah, definitely. Well, thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If you want to hear more episodes of A Jew and a Gentile Discuss, subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We'd also love if you leave a review, share this podcast with someone you know. You can follow us on social media. If there's anything you want to discuss or have us answer, you can submit your questions at our website, ajewandagentiledisgust.org. Again, thanks so much for listening. Join us next week for another episode. This show is a production of Jewish Voice Ministries International.